Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I am with Isaac. We did go over your last name. It's dying on me. Let me try this one. Olegis, is that right? Yep, you, you got it right now. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about your name and I was expecting somebody more Hispanic, but this one wasn't there because it kind of reminds me of somebody else's name I, I saw a long time ago who was from Mexico. So anyways, how how are you? You're so sorry. Let me just kind of go back. Uh, so you are a software developer at AppDaddy Solutions. Is that the right name? Software Solutions. Yeah. Software Solutions. AppDaddy Software Solutions. All right. And you guys are working on a very interesting product called, uh, I guess you can call it FML or Flutter Markup Language. Uh, exactly. It's a, a little bit meme in the sense that uh, we used FML as the main tag for it, uh, but we all thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> so, and it really stuck. And, and the name Flutter Markup Language really describes the product well, uh, especially once you start using it. So it, uh, it, it became the name that we all really agreed on. And we're like, yeah, this is, this is a great name for it. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that when I when I saw it, I kept thinking about that all the time. First, it, I'm like FML. That sounds so familiar. Like because it's been years since I've looked at that stuff. I mean, it is also a common texting term. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, yeah, and I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah. Then it finally hit me. Oh yeah, that's what. I don't know if I like this name. <laughs> that's why. Of course, I, I like the name, but it's like I don't know if I like this name. If I was working on this or if I made it up, I would probably choose a different thing. But <laughs> it, it makes sense, right? Um. Well, yeah, maybe we can, do you mind to give like a quick elevator pitch about what it actually is, right? Because uh, also when I was doing some more research about it, I just typed in Flutter Markup language. And uh, one of the things that come up is actually about Markdown, right? Which is obviously not at all similar to to this necessarily. Yeah, I, I mean, so the, the elevator pitch of Flutter Markup language or FML is that it's an XML-based syntax. So we don't use XML, we use their syntax because we thought it really fit. Um, it was simple enough to understand uh, and it, it mimicked the structure of the widget trees that we were building. Um, and what it is, it's interpreted. So basically we host the engine or the interpreter on the downloaded application or in terms of Flutter web, it brings in main.dart um, and it interprets the templates as they're sent to the, the interpreter and renders them on the screen. Um, so this is compiled together with data binding uh, as well as the UI and it creates a fully functional app that can be updated and edited within real time. Uh, and it has a, an absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I'd say extreme amount of customizability that most Flutter widgets do. It's interesting you describe it as XML, right? Um, I mean, I guess it is a form of XML, right? You, you have an official, official like, XML kind of like doc type kind of thing, uh, like the header or whatever it's called, the the namespacing. Yeah, so we, we we have an official header which is just surround the document with the tag FML, which is uh, the element tag. Um, but basically, what we decided is that we were going to use XML documents uh, in order to maintain some kind of syntax and structure so you can use an already familiar file which is xml uh, to write everything and you don't have to worry about having a separate language server or having some kind of air checking based on a custom syntax that we created so the syntax is out there it's been used it's been well documented um, and then in terms of the actual element attribute structure that's where our interpreter comes in and we've defined all of our own elements and attributes 
um, and syntax for data binding operations, et cetera, et cetera, that all follows the XML syntactical style. Yeah, and and the weird the the interesting part I, I made a small remark about this before, but the interesting part is that you you claim that this is actually easier for a lot of people. Uh, for me, I I think that. I don't know if you. I guess if you have an HTML background, XML is not too far off, right? Because I think HTML is basically a superset of XML, if I understand correctly. Definitely, they're very similar, mm -hmm. right? At least the, the styling of everything. Um, so I find that interesting that you find that uh, people say it's easier to use than than Flutter itself, or than than writing native Dart. But I guess it kind of makes sense because it really is a programming language, right? Yeah, and and it's it's easier to use. Firstly, in terms of visualization, so the XML structure, much like the Flutter structure, uh, it it visualizes the widget tree, so you can see the entire widget tree in a single page based on the way you write it and the nestings of widgets. Um, and attributes and main elements are relatively easy for people to understand that don't have a coding background uh, because they're pretty straightforward. The element is the name of the widget. The attribute is perform different operations on the widget. Um, but where it really shines in terms of ease of use is that we do all of the state management, we do all of the business logic, everything is done in the background. So one widget across all of the platforms is written the exact same way. So you don't have to write a widget for web and a widget for mobile and a widget for iOS, et cetera, et cetera. You, you have one widget that's written the same way, behaves the exact same way. Um, and is used the exact same way across all devices, and we do all the heavy lifting in the background. Um, and camera is a big example of that. Like the way you access the camera through a web Flutter web application is quite different from the way you access the camera through Android or iOS. So we interpret what platform you're on using the engine and basically say, okay, they want a camera. Here's how we're going to actually build the camera in the background. And the person developing an FML doesn't have to know anything about all of those background processes. But when you're using Flutter already, doesn't it? Doesn't all these plugins usually handle this kind of thing for you automatically? Um, some of them do, and we leverage that quite heavily. But uh, quite a few of them don't. So, and quite a few of them have very different implementations depending on which platform you're using it. Um, we've been developing using the Flutter web channel um, since it was in beta uh, before it became stable so especially back then most things just didn't work in web and were only out for for ios android um, so we would have to do a lot of heavy lifting and figure out okay how does this widget behave in web how does this widget behave in mobile how does this widget behave in desktop and create an interpretation for each platform and allow it to behave predictably with the exact same FML syntax on every platform. Okay. Yeah, that 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 part makes sense, but you still have the adaptability, right? Yes. So it yeah, so things are still gonna be different, like when you have a touchscreen versus when you have no touchscreen, just like a mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, and we took that into account as well. So we we have certain attributes and widgets that are only available on certain devices. Uh, for example, NFC is is only going to be available on mobile devices. So that's obviously going to do nothing in web. Um, but in terms of a lot of the widgets that 
are available and work slightly differently based on user interaction. We take into account all of the different ways a user could interact with that in that platform and ensure that the the adaptability and customizability are there for the developers, um, but also ensure that somebody who doesn't want to dive that deep can have that automatically handled. Yeah, I mean, how do you... Mm, so then if you did have the NFC module, then they would just ignore that XML tag, basically, or that FML tag? Yeah, it, it basically would do nothing because it's it's not available um, in that device. And, and to an extent, as a developer, you would have to know that if you're using a, a web device, it's not going to have access to the hardware on the phone. Um, but that's that's also stated quite heavily and clearly in the documentation. And generally, the widgets that people are going to implement that are platform specific are they're going to go look for those widgets because they know they need it on a certain platform. Okay. That, that would make some sense. So you can, so you would never need to do any kind of like platform customization, right? You're saying that basically everything out of the box is meant to work for all platforms and it just will handle that. Exactly. And that includes our UI. Like we've tried really hard to make sure that our UI has very consistent sizing rules um, and works very well on all platforms so for instance in flutter a lot of uh, people's initial difficulties with flutter are all the layout rules and how certain widgets interact certain ways and and certain widgets can't be put inside of other widgets uh, or you can't have certain sizes etc etc whereas for us we've made sure that pretty much every single one of our widgets works as a child or a parent to every single other widget unless obviously it's it's a child specific widget. So for instance, if you have a table and a cell, a cell is not going to work outside of table. Um, but you can stick a box in a row in a column and, and see the layout and that layout's going to work across multiple platforms. And it's not going to cause you any issues as long as you're following the very basic rules we've laid out. Okay. But, but what about, I mean, you, you do have some, do you make use of the scaffold widget or no? Yep. Yep. Uh, we we wrap everything in the sca- scaffold widget. Um, so the outermost widget is a scaffold, and then we draw everything within the scaffold. Within the body part. I think it's called body, right? Yes, within the body. So the scaffold you don't actually use. It's not actually an FML widget. Um, the scaffold is part of every single template as a Flutter widget, um, but you never have to worry about utilizing the scaffold widget. So where a lot of people were confused from the Flutter community when we introduced this to them is they assumed we were just converting Flutter widgets one-to-one to to XML widgets and then interpreted them. Um, And that's not at all what we've done. What we've really done is we've tried to boil down all of the Flutter widgets into very simple UI components, much like XML, or not XML, sorry, HTML does with things like div. um, And we allow for users to use that one widget, but it has the the capability and the expandability of multiple Flutter widgets because we take into account if you want this to expand in one axis and contract in the other axis, and it's a box. In our case, we call it a box, but it would be Flutter's container. We actually draw the widget with a row inside, and we set up the main axis size correctly, and we we check the the outer constraints of the screen size in order to size based on a percent. Um, there's there's quite a bit of heavy lifting that goes on in the background to keep the front end very simple and very straightforward with not a lot of things to memorize or worry about. 
Okay. So, I mean, it could happen that you, as you start adding in widgets, you start actually really dramatically changing, sorry, as you start adding in FML tags, you'd be actually theoretically, or it's possible that you would have to start totally transpiling that to even completely different widgets, depending upon the sequence and the order of the nesting. Is that right? Yes, ex exactly. So, and, and often a lot of our widgets are built out of multiple Flutter widgets, especially the layout ones. Um, we use unconstrained boxes and constrained boxes in tons of places, even though you'd never use that as an FML widget um, because somebody who's uh, an HTML developer doesn't want to learn the difference between all of the different unconstrained, constrained, limited box and how they interact with each other. Um, so we've basically said, okay, we need to create concrete layout rules where each of our widgets walks up the tree to its parent um, or walks down the tree to its child and determines its own size based on its constraints. So we've kind of simplified Flutter's layout rules in, in, uh, in a few simple widgets, which are mainly row, column, box, uh, which we used to call container, stack, expanded, and I believe that's all of our layout widgets. So we can build complex UIs and layouts with very few things. Yeah, somebody's asking a question that I've also asked you before. Um, so it's human yeah. Hanif, which is, is it extensible uh, to add custom widgets? So basically, can you extend it with custom widgets of your own? Yeah, so we have a few widgets that allow for that. Uh, we have our include widget, which you're, you can basically nest FML widgets in a file. Um, and then that include widget, you can pass parameters to it from any other template file. Um, so that's the one way we can do that within FML itself. Uh, as a Flutter developer, obviously the code is, is open to everyone and we're greatly encouraging people to dive into it and see some of the things we've done uh, and, and critique it and expand on it and, and all, of the, all of the above. So as a Flutter developer, if you find there's a widget that you really want to add that isn't there and isn't possible to make, which so far we've built some pretty complicated applications, uh, some pretty large applications for both private and public sector using FML, and, and we haven't yet found those widgets, but I'm sure they're going to be found uh, because everybody has different use cases. Um, but apart from that, we're also working on a prototype system where you can basically create your own widget, pass parameters to it, and use it in the same way, uh, as you mentioned previously, where you would have custom attributes, a custom element tag, um, and whatever you've initially created in that custom widget would be passed across to all your templates and you alter it in one place. Um, currently include does that, but it's not as pretty as, as doing something as you described. And it's not, it's quite functional, but it's not, it wouldn't be quite as functional as the system that we're working on right now. Um, but you can get quite a few, uh, you can get quite far with, with using include um, in the system. And we use it in a lot of our applications. We we create a header for as as your example was. We create a header, put all of our widgets inside of it, and then we just use the include file to include the header anywhere we need it. And we pass parameters based on if we want the color different, if we want the size slightly different, if we want the title different, uh, and it allows us to change everything in one place and then pass parameters independently in every template to allow that widget to change in response to where it is. Yeah, I was originally thinking if if I made some very customized widget, right? So the power of Flutter is that you can really do whatever you want and you can really be very particular. You mm -hmm. can bring in shaders, all these kind of things. But 
I don't think you guys are allowing shaders and things like that. Although you, you can do a lot with what you have, but of course with Flutter, mm. you can do even more. Like if there's a way that you could really design a very customized widget and somehow bring it in, you know, that would be pretty interesting. Definitely. Uh, I mean, you can customize everything quite a bit. Um, we haven't allowed for shaders yet for sure, because we've been focused mainly on, on the function of, of UIs and just creating simple, but still quite attractive UIs. Um, and, and the functional aspect has been one of the heaviest things for us. We've really tried to make sure that you can handle any data, you can bind to anything, you can manipulate any data, uh, you can use any data sources you want in a very simple, straightforward way. Yeah. Well, do, do you mind to kind of go into the past, right? So this is actually a rewrite of a previous system that the lead developer worked on. Isn't that correct? Yeah. So in the past, um, they developed a similar system. Actually, for, I'd like to start from like uh, the beginning. I don't know how much you know, but I'm guessing you probably know quite a lot because of your closest <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe we can talk about, you know, like where did the idea come from and kind of how to get started and, and how do we get to where we are now? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the main idea way back in the day, and it, and it still continues to be the main idea, is that uh, these industries like Goodyear, um, all, all of these other manufacturing companies that we work for uh, and work with closely, they needed a way for their teams to edit and update applications without the overhead of learning new frameworks, learning different platforms, um, learning how to do the intricacies of, of certain flight frameworks such as state management and Flutter um, and, and without having a development pipeline. So they didn't want to have to have a whole development team for each platform or for multiple platforms, create an application, and then every time they wanted to change to that application, uh, unless it was in web, HTML, CSS, they would have to build the application put it up in the store, wait for the approval, and then they would have to have everybody download that application, make sure that everyone was on the same version. Because if you're on a manufacturing floor and you add a new parameter, a new machine, you need that right away. You, you can't wait uh, if, if one of the techs pulls up his phone and has the old version and isn't inputting the new, the new inputs, basically, you're, you're going to end up with some missed data, some problems, uh, and even potentially machine failure because you're you're missing parts that are very important to the current process that day. Um, and so what the idea was, was how do we create something that works on all platforms? We can update in real time and the engineering and IT team within companies can also update and work with without having to learn the intricacies of a framework and a new language and cross-platform development and submitting an app to the store and and all of the... the uh, the pipeline basically that comes with every platform you develop from. Um, so basically what you can do now with FML is you can get an application using our interpreter that's already in the iOS app store running in an official iOS app that's on the store downloadable for everyone within 10 minutes. And, and, it's, and it's approved because our application, all you have to do is point it to the endpoint of your application that serves the templates and it will pull those templates and you have a working app. Um, so it's, it's quite powerful in that instance. And then if I log on 45 minutes later and the developer's like, oh, we need a new slider here. We need a new form field here. We need to add this to 
how the the process is working. We need to insert an entire new page into navigation. All you have to do is change a few templates and it's automatically pulled in as soon as that template's changed. So much like you would change a web page in HTML, the change is instantaneous. There's no building, there's no compilation. Um, there, there's no development pipeline to wait for that change to come into effect. And that's really where the idea has, has shone in these environments because we'll be on a call and they'll need something slightly different. They'll need the logic different somewhere. They'll need a new slider, uh, a new, a new form. And we can actually do a lot of it while we're on the call with these people and they can pull it up on all of their platforms and see it right away. Um, because on the floor of a lot of these manufacturing facilities, they have terminal computers that are, that are running EXEs. They have handheld Zebra devices that are running APKs. Uh, some of them use their, their iOS device, depending on the plant they're in. Some of them use Acer, like the iPad, the Acer pads, um, the tablets that are running Windows 10. Some of them use tablets that are running Android. So you'd never know who's using what and, and they need all of these changes to take effect across all of the devices at the same time. So it's quite a, quite an extensive process that normally would take months and you can do it within minutes with a team of one to three people. Yeah, I can see how useful this, but if you're saying that these native apps can be updated in like a hot, hot kind of way, basically while they're still running? Yep. Yep. So the way our interpreter works is that you point, we basically download the application. So if you go to the app store right now, you'll see the Flutter markup language app on both iOS and, and Play Store. Um, and that, that is a non-custom compiled app. So anybody can download it, give it an endpoint, and that endpoint will serve the config file, which is basically a base file to set up your entire application. And then it will serve the templates based on where you told the config file they are um, in real time from that web server. So you can open it, put in an endpoint, and all of a sudden you had a chat app that I made yesterday running in real time. And then as the developer, I can go and make a couple changes to that app. And when you go back to that page, that's now going to be changed completely based on how I've changed it and specified the change. Okay, that's that's quite interesting because there's so many people out there who do want to have this kind of functionality. And I know the Flutter team is saying, no, we, we don't want to do that for two reasons. One is that, you know, the whole hot code reload in production is something that Apple App Store is kind of letting go through, but at the same time, they want to still check your stuff, right? And then the other thing too is, um, what was it? Uh, you're going to lose some what's the word for that? Some performance, right? And, and we've done a lot of performance testing. Um, and we have, we have forms that are thousands of fields long for some various, ser very serious machinery that, that throw off alarms and change the UI based on, on the fields they're filling out. And we have yet to notice a performance problem, uh, or, or any really performance downsides in production on any of the devices we support. Uh, other than Flutter Web, which it takes time to load in main.dart. Um, and that's really the only performance gap that we've seen as a large problem. And we've been actively working on loading in main.dart and other parts of our code more dynamically based on what the developer specifies they need. Um, but that's that's quite a difficult task. So it's it's taking some time for sure. 
Um, but if you have high-speed internet connection, the load time for one of our web applications is about three to four seconds uh, on the high end. And then once it's loaded in once, every time you come back to that application, it's instantaneous. Okay, that's 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 pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting here to hear. I mean, for me, I mean, if you compile something AOT, you know, ahead of time, of course, it should be faster than kind of pulling in stuff. But I don't know. I mean, how fast do you really need for most things, right? If you're in manufacturing floor, I mean, exactly. <laughs> it depends. Like, you need to be able to tap buttons and everything else. I don't think it's it's. You're not making a video game where. Yeah, and and you you also have like for most applications these days, like the the actual rendering of these applications isn't that performance intensive, um, because nobody's doing anything hyper complicated in terms of video rendering. Like now with things like Rive animation in Flutter, you you can do some pretty cool complex animation stuff for sure. Uh, and create some beautiful UIs. But for most people's UI, they need something that's simple, intuitive to the user, conveys the message, and and works. Um, and and the the prettiness and attractiveness comes from organization, simplicity, conveying the message correctly to the user as to how the app is laid out and works. Um, so if you if you can do that, you can build ninety nine percent of applications with flutter markup language um and now what you're mentioning is where you would want to consider a team of flutter developers where there's something that's very performant intensive uh, milliseconds matter no, on, on certain pages things that you're doing are, are requiring a lot of processing power that's being done on the device then that company would want to look at using a native uh, a native language or a framework like flutter because that's what they're prioritizing but then as as I've said, they they need a development team. They need a development pipeline. Um, they're taking months or or up to a year or multiple years to develop this application, uh, and it costs a lot of money. Most applications we've developed in Flutter markup language cost less than it would cost most development teams to consult for what your app's going to be, um, because we can develop these giant enterprise level applications in a matter of days or weeks or months, depending on the complexity of it, rather than your general development time, which is months or years uh, for these for these applications that are talking to things like PLC machines and integrating into multiple databases and multiple plants. And and uh, in terms of our our financial applications, they, they talk to Kelly Blackbook, bank servers, uh, they they have to be quite secure and and they always have to follow a very specific pattern of navigation. So so all of these complexities we've been able to build in Flutter markup language. So if you're getting a lot more complex than that and performance really matters, then of course you're going to want to develop a an application with a native team. Okay, that, that that's that's interesting. So, um, but yeah, again, so this was written this kind of system was already written a long time ago using flash and uh yes yeah. and i mean did he also use some type of xml language when he created this yep uh the syntax is it was always done in xml and that's kind of why when it was converted into flutter and and expanded upon um xml stayed as as the language because it was easy for a lot of the developers in the past and engineers to use it um and it, it basically was a language that everybody understood once they were given a quick rundown on it. 
Um, we, we have a lot of Goodyear engineers right now who aren't developers or coders, and they're actively creating new pages, creating new, new workflows for applications, editing applications in depth, uh, using FML, uh, and, and that would previously take a large investment and a mandate from their boss as well. So you can't just go and, and pick up Flutter on your work time when you're an engineer for one of these plants. But if you can pick it up in 15, 20 minutes uh, from a base level, and, and have some sort of technical background, whether it's IT or you just understand things like ternary operations, then you're you're good to go. Um, but yeah, in terms of the way it's progressed, it used to be very focused on manufacturing. So you could really only build manufacturing-based applications and forms. Uh, and we've basically metamorphosized it into something that you can build almost any application that you or your company requires, whether it's manufacturing, public sector, financial, chat, and social media. Um, and it's launchable cross-platform right away. Now, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about this, this switch, right? So I'm guessing that the death of Flash was a big reason to switch, but it could have been <laughs> something before that, I'm guessing, right? Uh, the, the death of Flash was the main reason for the switch. Um, in terms of financial capability. <laughs> so it, it was what allowed us to be able to really build this out and have funding for it by the, these companies we're partnered with needing a replacement for Flash before it died. Um, but also people's technological capabilities just increased. Uh, for instance, Goodyear needed a system where they could open up either their iPhone or their Android device and tap an NFC tag on a machine and collect a sample and that NFC tag is automatically logged in an application sent to the lab and the lab opens the same application and can now retap the container and it pulls up whatever sample was collected when it was collected and they can fill out the results for that sample testing. Um, so in terms of, of a workflow like that, that just wasn't really all that possible in Flash. Uh, it was, It was, but it was difficult. It wasn't quite nice cross-platform and it just had a lot of shortcomings uh, and complexities so we really took that opportunity to rejig everything and reconsider how everything was done in terms of how somebody who's new to coding would think and new to tech at all would think when they go to write an application so I let me just make it clear, and I think this is what happened was that this was originally written by the lead developer and used by other companies, right? Using Flash. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then obviously, Death of Flash was probably the, like I said, it was the, it was the main catalyst to, for a change. Yes. Now was Flutter already around then? I don't remember when. I think Death of Flash was a long time ago. Okay, but it must have been very early stage. Flash officially died, I believe, in, in January first, twenty twenty. Oh, really? I thought it was late, uh, earlier than that. Maybe I just remember wrong. No, I, I believe that was the death date. Um, I, I have to double check on that, but I've been working going on four years now uh, and Flash died after my first year and a half of working working with AppDaddy. Um, so we, we were definitely around for the death of Flash and we had to have a production level implementation of this software before the death of Flash. Um, so we did have that up and running and implemented in production before the death of flash now granted it is metamorphosized a lot from that day uh, because that was basically the translation of the original 
flash system with some upgrades to user experience, um, usability, the way you'd structure widgets, functionality. Um, but from the death of flash date to now, it's, it's not even recognizable how much we've improved both performance, usability, and function of the, of the application of FML. Okay. Now did, I mean, because these are enterprise apps, right? It must've been that, okay, all of these previous XML files should be usable without much changing to make them work into the new system, right? That was the original idea, um, but we took the switch over as an opportunity to create a simpler version of everything and a more expandable version of everything. Um, so the basic knowledge from the original system was transferable, but we had to rewrite a lot of the template files uh, based on what we were already looking at. So we could look at a template file, say, okay, this is what it was doing. This is how it was working. And now let's translate it. Uh, and the speed of writing the FML template files is as probably quadrupled from the original flash system and, and probably quadrupled from the original flutter system that we, that we released in 2019 privately. Okay. So what is the response been when you, when you kind of uh, give <laughs> this new tool out to people because i remember like people in um my wife's uh company she worked at dhl and whenever there was a software upgrade everybody was upset and, and especially if it's something that would change their hotkeys around they would be really upset and i'm sure you must have something similar where it's like hey i already <laughs> knew all these you know tags why are you why are you doing this to me i was a pro so proficient right i mean was there like a lot of this kind of uproar or no. So the initial, the initial response when you open your mouth about changing software is always the same because everybody always sees time, money, uh, learning curve, all of that stuff. Um, familiarity with current software, even though some enterprise software is takes you your entire career to get familiar with <laughs> uh, it, and everybody sees that initially. But then as soon as we talk about speed of delivery, cost of delivery uh, and show them a sample product of the same application physically working before it's even talked about uh, of how much cost, like that's how quickly we can build. And, and a lot of the conversions we've gotten, it's because we'll build out the first four pages of their application in a couple of days that took them months to build in their old system and it looks better and it performs better and it's cross-platform right away. And as soon as they see the the quality of life improvement, the quality of cost improvement, the speed improvement, and their engineers look at the files and go, I understand this, it really, really sells it. So we as soon as that that barrier is crossed, the we just keep getting more work because the cost makes sense, the time makes sense, um, the ability for the company to own the source code because it's open um, is, is huge as well. We're not restricting them to our company. So if we decide we don't want to work with you anymore, it doesn't matter because it's it's public source. Okay, but um, actually, so is the entire FML whole ecosystem, is that open source? Uh, it's not a, an official open source license. So it, it's it's available for the public to use and distribute as they as they want um we're working on improving the licensing uh but currently if your company makes over a million us dollars um then we have a license fee that has to be paid yearly which we've kind of matched to sync fusion uh 
Um, but the code itself, the you, is owned when you when you open it. As far as I understand, I'm not I'm not great uh, with legalities. Um, but we've taken feedback already from our initial post a couple weeks ago, uh, where you got in touch with me of how to change the license, and we've already implemented quite a bit of it. And that's one of the biggest things we want is for it to be a non friction point. We don't want it to be a barrier where people are like, I don't like this license. Um, so we've, we've made quite a few changes already. Now, I mean, cause I, th- I think a lot of companies these days do look at licensing, right? So yes, for sure. But they're pretty happy with it. And I, I mean, is there a solid fee based on every single company that you have to pay if, it, if you do have over a million dollars? Uh, so it's a set fee. If you're over a million dollars, uh, I believe it's nine ninety nine U S dollars, uh, for a one year license. Um, and that's if your company grosses over 1 million U S dollars. And so a thousand dollars really is nothing in the, in the terms of a year. Um, we also have other tiers, which is support licenses, which allows us to directly communicate with their developing t- development team based on a certain set of hours, uh, help them with their applications, even build out their applications in FML. So that's that's a second level of things. Um, but if you're making under a million dollars gross, then then it's totally free. There's no stipulations on that. And what if we're making under a million, but I want support? I can still get that from you, I'm guessing, right? Yep. The support license is separate from the, um, from the enterprise license. So, uh, and what we do too, is we have our discord channel, um, and anybody who needs help in our discord channel can contact us directly and, and we can just help them. Uh, we're, we're really trying to get this out there and get people's feedback and get people to utilize it. Um, and I think that's where people will start seeing the, the benefits of over the air update style, how quick it is, um, all of that fun stuff is when they start using it. And that's when we'll see a lot of shortcomings. We've had quite a few um, releases in production. So we've battle tested this quite heavily for a multitude of different types of applications. Um, but a team of three can only battle test so many applications over three years. <laughs> yeah, this was some, this is actually the next question I want to ask is how many people, there's three people, right? Yeah, it's a we're a development team of three people. So we we both develop FML applications for clients. Um we develop FML as the product itself daily. So you now that it's uh it's gone into the public repo, you can see we we put in about 10 to 15 PRs a day uh just improving what we're doing. Um and then we develop uh back-end systems as well to to link into front ends uh, and modify back end systems on average how would you guys say you divide up your time because you're doing quite a few things right not just only developing the product but i'm sure you're doing i mean of course support uh i'm guessing some training uh actually building mm-hmm. things out like what do you think you guys divide up your time maybe is it like a third 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 or something or how would you you say uh no i'd say because the development process is so quick with FML, like I can get most applications done as a single person within one to two weeks. Um, so I'm the main one who who basically builds out these applications for Goodyear in FML. Um, while doing that, I'm documenting and working on the code base based on anything that I find lacking or or needing or improvements. Um, maybe. 10 to 25% of my time. Um, and then the other two is pro- 
between the two, it's probably 60% of the time on FML and 40% of the time on, uh, on paid projects. Um, depending, obviously every day is different. Like we're not going to split up a day working 40% of the day on one thing and 40% on the other, uh, unless we find something that needs to be changed right away, then we change it right away. But in terms of over the course of a month, that's usually what it looks like. Uh, and that changes obviously based on our workload and, and how many projects we have and timelines and that kind of thing. Okay. That, that's good. I mean, it also keeps it nice that if you do find a bug, you're able to pretty much solve it or, or definitely tap on the guy's shoulder who needs to solve it for you. Definitely. Yeah. We, we work quite heavily as a team. Anytime there's a bug, we, we try to get it solved or fixed within 24 hours or less. Uh, often it's within the hour of finding it. Um, if it's something more complex, then we obviously have to do a lot of testing to make sure it's not damaging anything else in the interpreter because the <laughs> the entire piece of software is quite a monolith there's a lot going on there and a lot of intricacies and complexities that one change can affect how everything works if you're not understanding what's going on in certain files now is the whole app written in dart or written in flutter or i mean how how's the whole app written uh, Dart. It's it's written in it's written in Flutter, and, and obviously is an extension of that Dart. Um, there's some pieces that uh, that we've used exclusively Dart. Um, one of those being Image Transforms for Web, which Jeff just put out a package on PubDev yesterday. Um, because doing image filtering like grayscaling and stuff would lock up the application on Web, uh, because you couldn't do it asynchronously so he basically rewrote the package in dart uh and allow and compiles it to a web worker um so that it doesn't lock up the application when you're when you're changing image or doing image transforms um so i mean that's just a very recent example of something that's written completely in dart uh, we use a lot of community packages uh, and we constantly change those packages based on how well they're supported uh, and if the developer of them has gone to the wayside or continues to support it um, so we're usually changing a package every two months or, or and especially adding packages but definitely changing because it seems like only certain packages tend to really stick around Okay. That's good to hear. You guys are really also contributing to the world of Flutter and not just kind of consuming it for your own use. <laughs> yeah, no. Now that we have a little bit more time and this is publicly released, we're really trying to take a lot of the optimizations we've made in in Flutter and Dart uh, to our own and other people's packages. And we've started to, to, to release them on PubDev. So yesterday was our first package. Um, but I think there's like six or seven other packages that we've already written the code for that we just need to publish and make some examples. Um, so over the next couple of months, we'll hopefully get get at least two or three more of those out uh, and be able to maintain what we've already put out. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, okay, oh, sorry, this is the question I wanted to ask because, you know, you had to kind of, or, or Jeff, right, lead developer, he had to basically scramble yes. to replace this. Uh, I was kind of curious about how the process was to find the right technology and what what brought uh, Flutter to his attention and and why he chose this one. I know that story relatively well. Um, part of it was that after all of his research, looking at other things like React and and uh, and and React Native, other other frameworks, um, he basically settled on Flutter as this is a really good looking product that does everything I need it to do. Uh, and when he found it, it was 
still quite infant. Um, I think when we started, it was still in the 1.0 channel. Um, yeah, it was in the early 1.1 channel. Um, when, when I started anyways. So he was able to basically say, this does everything we want it to do. Um, and then as he'll say, he, he bet the barn on it. Uh, he basically said that I really hope this sticks around because this looks like exactly what we need. Um, he liked the syntax. The syntax was very familiar. Uh, he writes a, a lot of C sharp stuff. Um, he's quite a lar- quite a wealth of knowledge in terms of uh, backend databases using things like MySQL. Um, so he's quite familiar with with C sharp. Um, and so the syntax made sense because Dart is quite similar and quite familiar uh, compared to C sharp, in my opinion as well. Um, and yeah, so we rolled with it. Uh, and it's paid off so far because the community has grown exponentially since we started. Um, the speed, the performance, the stable channel has become what we're using now, which is previously the stable channel was unusable for us because we needed the web usage and we needed the desktop usage as part of the product that we were releasing. Um, so we had to make sure that the dev channel was a stable channel in a sense with anything we put in our application. Yeah. But, um, I mean, with all different platforms that you guys are needing to support for, I mean, basically just mobile was the platform a long time ago, right? When you guys first start off at, with uh, flutter, I think, or, or did, or was there something there already with windows and everything else? When we first so when we first started uh, the I forget if it's called the alpha or the dev channel but whatever the the most unstable of the three channels is um, had web support uh, and it was planned desktop support and within the first year of of myself starting uh, web support became part of the beta channel instead of the dev channel and desktop support became part of the dev channel so it became a little bit more stable. Um, and yeah, so when he looked at it, web was supported, but not supported as part of the stable channel. Yeah, for me, I'm mostly thinking about the, the desktop and other kind of platform, native platform support, right? Because what I remember, I think mm-hmm. Windows was announced like not very long ago, more than four years or less than four years ago. On the stable, uh, yeah, less than a bit, a bit less than four years ago, um, it, was, it was officially announced, uh, which is the minute it was announced, we implemented it. Uh, but I do believe that they they had some documentation about the planned release of of Windows and as an EXE. But also when we started, the main platforms that we really, really cared about were web, iOS, mobile web, and Android. That's interesting. Did, does the Flutter team actually know about Flutter markup language and what you guys are doing with it? I don't know. Um, I mean, we got quite a few comments and, and views and hits on both our, our GitHub, our our website and our Reddit post that you contacted me uh, after we posted. Um, so I maybe one of the Flutter team people have seen it. Um, but as far as I know exactly, none, none of them do. I haven't heard anything from any of them. Um, but also we only really released this a couple of weeks ago to the public and, and public knowledge. Yeah, because I can imagine, because uh, I, I know that before Chris Sells was basically the the kind of, the person inside the Flutter team that was uh, actively talking to uh, big corporations about using Flutter. So I can imagine that this could be something that they could also offer to other companies. You know, just, just up top of my head, right? Yeah, the knowledge that, that Goodyear is using Flutter uh, and using Flutter markup language more so as, as the main um, 
is also something that can help promote Flutter and the Flutter community, uh, as well as the package. Um, but what I think would be the most interesting to, to the Flutter developers is taking a peek at our code base and, and seeing how we've done certain things and circumvented certain things and, and getting feedback on what they think about it and how it's been done. Do you, I mean, you guys must be really confident in your code, right? You're not worried about somebody coming in and just saying, oh, this is bad coding over here or something like that, right? I mean, I'm, I'm really confident that somebody will come in and say that at least once, but that's the nature of the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's, it's kind of like it, without any haters, you don't know if you're doing a good job kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. If so, and, and I mean, we, we had probably equal amount of negativity as positivity when we, when we initially announced this. Um, but most of the negativity came from the fact that they basically said, why are you trying to replace Flutter? And that was never, we, we love Flutter. <laughs> that was not part of the product nor the sales pitch of the product. It's a, a supplemental tool for people who also love Flutter, but want to either prototype applications, build rapid applications, or have the dev teams that, that are with the companies they're working with work on their own applications without needing a Flutter developer's support. And then they can maintain their own copy of the code if they have custom things they want in and continue to develop in Flutter uh, and continue to have, need, have, have their companies need reliance on them and, and continue their career as a Flutter developer. Yeah, I can imagine that you could have some kind of like flutter flow like thing that would create uh FML underneath the hood. Yeah, and that that's been kind of a uh a topic that's been bouncing around for for since we've started this to have a drag and drop style GUI uh much like flutter flow. Um since 2019 we've had this on our idea board. Um but with the ease of use that we found with the XML, it just hasn't become a priority. Uh, now that would open an entire new market of people that were able to use FML because they would need absolutely no coding experience. They would just need to know some basics to a drag and drop GUI and and how they would fill out the prospective fields we would offer them once they dropped a widget. Um, but eventually I'd like to think we'll do that. Um, but with the amount of work we have between three of us, uh, we we prefer to continue to develop the base product than than add on features uh, that are that are outside of the current scope at the current point in time. Okay, we have another question in the audience. Same as same guys last time. Yes, how does the how how does these FML based views interface with code behind business logic, HTTP API clients, local databases, etc., or does it use server side processing? Uh, so that's a good question and I'm going to answer it as far as I was able to understand what he's asking. Um, so in terms of interacting with things like REST clients, um, any data-based calls or hardware, uh, for instance, we just implemented server sent events as a, as a widget, um, cause we were doing some stuff with Firebase. Uh, all of our data binding does that and we have widgets for that. So if, we have some pretty in-depth tutorials that we we keep putting up every couple of days on on our website fml.dev um and there is one there about interacting with get calls but basically what we do is we have widgets that you supply a URL to um and as long as that URL returns data you can use all of our data binding our transform syntax any of our events to bind and manipulate that data 
uh, and it manages its own state. So in the background, we're using a, a model view, view model structure, uh, and we basically created kind of our own state management system where the view will basically be told to update by the model. Uh, and the model has a bunch of observables that it registers listen, listeners to. So the view registers a listener to the model. The model registers the listener to all of its observables, which is the business logic behind each widget. Um, and as any of those observables send out an event, the the model says I've changed, and it and the view obviously hears that it's changed. It sends out an event, and the view rebuilds. Um, so we're we're able to rebuild down the entire widget tree uh, in Flutter with the interpreter so all the processing for for anything that isn't a packet of data is done on the device uh, or in the browser okay so it's really all all fml widget based kind of things you just can add a widget to it yeah so you should you should have a slogan like they had remember the app store there's an app for that i think that was the old slogan <laughs> so, so yeah. there's, there's a widget for that and it's kind of thing there's a there's a there's a fml tag for that <laughs> i can't take flutter's slogan of everything's a widget though yeah. <laughs> but yeah that so basically we've we've centered our entire product and focus around integration of data and databases and so we have data styles like mqtt um web sockets server sent events rest api calls um I'm trying to remember all of them right now, but there's quite a few. Uh, you can integrate with any piece of, of hardware. So GPS, uh, GPS data, Bluetooth beacon data, uh, NFC data, and bind to the return data packet, whether it's XML, JSON, or a URL in the case of NFC. And it actually parses out that data and creates bindables from each element or object in that. Okay. Yeah. Sounds really full featured, right? Um, I, basically we should all go to, you know, if you're interested in check it out, we can just go to fml.dev and we can play around. I think most of the stuff will link over to GitHub, your wiki, and you have a whole tutorial yeah, section. Yeah, our wiki is, is where most of it is. So, so the wiki is just Flutter markup language, um, on the GitHub and the code base is, is attached to the wiki. Um, so we've tried to include as much as we can in there tutorials, overviews, uh, our approaches to, to building out applications with it, how to set up a server. Um, I'm not sure if he put it out or it's about to be put out today. Um, but Braden basically has created a tutorial of how to, how to serve the config files and your templates from a GitHub repo. So you don't even need a server, uh, to create an FML app on the iOS store. So I just point the URL from the FML app when you download it on the iOS store to the GitHub repo, essentially, um, and I can have a fully functioning app on the iOS store downloadable by anyone as long as they know the the URL. Well, what about all the permissions and everything like that that you need to give permissions to? So we handle all of that um, in the background. So basically, anything that we use that requires permissions, as soon as you access that widget, it prompts you for the permissions. Um, anything that has to be included initially in the submission of the application. What, what we've done is um, include it all as part of the app submission. So our, our iOS app, any widget that can be used is reported as usable. Um, and, and it was accepted a long time ago in its beta state, uh, non-public beta state, but now in its public beta state, it's in version 1.0 and, and is in the store as well. Uh, and we just update it whenever we do a new release, which usually takes a couple days 
Um, and we try our absolute best to maintain functionality as we go and not, not have any breaking changes or deprecations. What about if somebody says no, and then later want to turn back on the permission? Do you, do you able to handle that problem within the UI? Uh, yeah. So basically what we do is, is if the permission is off, we, we open up the permission prompt, uh, on whatever platform we're on and ask for permission again. Okay. So we, we've really tried to, to, to nag at people at, at things that, that need to be nagged at. And we really try to, um, well, we have to conform to all of the standards in both play and iOS app store. Um, so we've made sure we conformed all their standards. We've made sure, we've made sure that, uh, we're not doing anything that they would, they would disallow or kick us off for. Um, and we're, we're really trying to allow people to build out an application without worrying about things like that. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is pretty cool, right? So basically go to fml.dev. There's a couple of examples on their live. Most of the links, if I remember correctly, will take you over to the GitHub where you can tells you how to install, tells you how to get going, and you can start kind of playing around and see how you like it, right? Yeah, and we have a PubDev um, pub style generated documentation for the developer docs. Just we've commented in the code and auto-generated documentation for the actual code base as well. Um, so it's that's there as well for people who are interested in diving into the code base, but I highly recommend just downloading it and, and stepping through and taking a look. Awesome, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, we got enough information about it and at the end keep saying uh, go to the website go to the website go to the github check it out right. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you think that we should know uh, message any of us we're always open to questions uh, we're always open to helping anyone we're always open to criticism uh, criticism is one of the things that really drives us because without it that we we don't have areas that we can improve um so and and try it and try and break it and and let us know how it's how you broke it and what it's missing and anything that that uh that can be brought up to us we'll do our absolute best to include it and improve it uh which we are doing every day uh just based on what we're finding as as individuals and what people using fml as both developers and enterprise software uh, and public software are finding so awesome yeah, your 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 one and only fan in the chat right now is saying many thanks and much appreciated. So he may be checking out. <laughs> you may you may be getting messages from him pretty soon. I I very much appreciate the the fan in the chat and uh, if if yeah if uh, if said fan has any questions or or criticisms or comments or praise, uh, definitely message us. Let us know. We can help you get anything running that you want to get running. We can help you get your dev environment started for it. Uh, and we can help you solve any problems that, that need to be solved. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. If, if nothing else on your side, then I think this is a good way to wrap up. So any maybe last questions or less, uh, sorry, less, less comments or anything? <laughs> uh, well, I just, I really appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast and uh, I really appreciate the content you put out for the community and, and how you're promoting Flutter. It's a, it's a great fr framework. Uh, the community is great. Uh, one of the questions you asked me in the in the question list that you didn't ask me here is what's what's the strongest part of Flutter and and my answer was the community because it's probably the most positive and the most helpful uh, and the most informative development community that I've I've landed in so far. So uh, I hope it continues that way and I'm sure it will. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your podcasts and and hearing more of your guests come on as well. Yeah, maybe someday we can we can bring on App Daddy. 
uh, to see what's going on his side. <laughs> he's he's a bit of he's a bit afraid of the camera, but if you have some highly technical questions, he'll he'll talk your ear off for sure. Oh, uh, that sounds good. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thank you for for making it on and, and let us know all about Flutter Markup Language. At the beginning, as I told you before we started recording, I'm very skeptical, not too sure about it. But after listening and hearing and understanding the business problem you're there to solve, uh, I think it's coming together for me. And I can understand and, and, and awesome. you, you know, you explain the good and bad about it and, and, and the positivity and, you know, the power brings to people then yeah okay if it works then it works uh, i don't know if i would use it because i like <laughs> flutter the way it is and uh, i i kind of like not using some type of xml so but uh it's okay yeah and and you're a and you're a flutter developer and 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 that's exactly to be uh to be expected right like that's your your niche but it's it's it it has its use case and it has a strong use case that we've proved out for a long time um and it also has its downsides as we explained so Anybody that can fit it into a use case that's similar or even finds new use cases uh, is always awesome. Uh, and anybody that wants to purely use Flutter, it's always awesome as well because it just adds more information to the community. It adds more experience to the community. Uh, and we, we get to see new and cool things and we get to see extended support for, for Flutter as it's pushed to its limits as well. Great. Okay. And with that, I think we are good for this episode. 